Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Cane and Rinse podcast. It's volume 11, issue 503. And today we're going to be talking about the game Contra Spirits, also known as Contra 3, the Alien Wars, also known as Super Probotector Alien Rebels, depending on your region. Joining me, Leon Cox, in this issue are Mikhail Croder. Hello. And welcome back, guest Ben Cartledge. Let's attack aggressively. Of course, we must. <laughs> so yes, Contra Spirits, as it was originally known in Japan, is... In essence, a 16-bit side-scrolling and top-down 2D run-and-gun game and the third distinct title in Konami's Contra series. Of course, Contra was known as Grizor in Europe and the series became known as Probotector for reasons of German potential German censorship. Uh, so, But these days, and for quite a long time now, Contra is Contra. Uh, I think it's also interesting that as we saw with many uh, early Super Famicom and Super Nintendo titles, they just added Super to the start and it made perfect sense. It made the game sound Super yeah. and it tied into the fact that it was on this mm. exciting new hardware. But I of know course, where you want to, want to go with this, yeah. Exactly. They'd already done it. So yeah. in, the, in the late 80s, they'd already called a game Super Contra, so they couldn't really do that with this. Uh, now, I know that in previews and such this game was often referred to actually as super contra 4 and of course contra 4 wouldn't come out until years and years later on the ds courtesy of way forward games i think yeah. it was um so yeah they just in japan they went with contra spirits which i think is a rather cool name and contra 3 the alien wars in the u.s yeah i think it's a better deal than super castlevania 4 to be honest yeah, I right. I mean, there's no but, Super Castlevania 1, 2, and 3. And indeed. So yeah. why not just call it Castlevania 4 or call it Super Castlevania? Well, indeed, especially as it is effectively a remake of the original. Yeah, exactly. As we'll talk about some some point someday. Uh, terrifyingly enough, we did actually cover Contra and Super Contra on the Kane and Rince video games podcast. And I thought, yeah, that was like a couple of years ago. No, that was five years ago. Oh, we did don't say that. Yeah, I was I on know. that podcast with Kate. I know. Uh, with How long Dan have we Clark? known each other? Yeah. yeah, yeah I don't, I'm not sure if we even knew Ben by that point. I can't remember when we did our type. I possibly, I think we possibly did, but I don't know if I knew. No, I think this was before our type even. Maybe yeah. it was even before our wow. type. I had, I had a real crappy mic back then. Right. Because when I yeah. listen back to that, it's so, yeah. Unexpectedly hard to listen back to. Uh, that's a shame. But yeah. don't let that put you off, listener. Our Contra and Super Contra show was uh, issue 253. You can find it at canerince.com or on Spotify. And that's with, uh, yeah, me, McKeel, and uh, our friend Dan Clark, who mm. will hopefully be returning to Cana Rince at some point this year, all being well. I miss him. Yes, we all miss, we all miss Dan. But yes, there are plans to have him back. Uh, not that we, you know, didn't want him back before, but uh, life has <laughs> life has gotten in the way. Anyway, but it's great that we've got Ben here for this Contra show. And of course, also about five years ago, Ben, you did a video. I think it's five years ago. Is it three years ago? Um, so, it might be five, actually. Um, I think it's five. I think it's 2017. Yeah, I think it is. Cause I, I, Weirdly, your voice sounds two octaves higher. And I don't know if that's a result of the the... the the five years you've had since then or <laughs> or the recording equipment you had at the time i don't know you know it's still the uh although what was i using i was using a 
uh, I was using uh, uh, Fraps, which is the the thing that I used to use to record World of Warcraft films. And now, obviously, it's all done through OBS, and I use I still use the same microphone, but maybe it's a I don't know, maybe it's yeah, a, it's, a it might just be a quirk. Maybe but you sound so useful thing. in the in the in yeah. the, the contrast. I listen, I listened to, I watched it back today, like um, and right. I couldn't like I, I was laughing loads at the commentary when I said like uh, we've just had, I said oh we've just had like a dog and like Larry's like five now so it is in that oh, yeah, it is, yeah it is in that region historical document right? yeah it really it really is yeah but I think that was season yeah. uh, I think that was season two I want to say of uh, of one credit classics yeah that was the, yeah. yeah episode twenty six that was a lot of fun man so that's obviously a key part of your history with the game you've one credited it and recorded it on video for posterity and it's out there. Uh, before that, though, were you already into the Contra series? Did you have the Super Super Nintendo game back in the day, or did you come to it nearer the time you did the video? I I did have a game actually. Um, it was really weird. Like I was, uh, as I've talked about before, I was a kind of frustrated musician a lot of my life, really. Mm-hmm. And that whole thing started with me playing the trumpet. I played the trumpet for about seven years in various mm-hmm. orchestras and bands. And one of the orchestras I was in, we did like a tour of Germany. I was about 15, I want to say, in that kind of neighborhood. So we had the, uh, my brother had bought the Super Nintendo and we were both really into the whole kind of uh, uh, second-hand gaming scene, you know what I mean? We were swapping stuff and trading stuff. And I went away for this Germany trip. I think I was away for, uh, I was away for about a week and I'd been away about two days and we were staying in this like youth hostel somewhere. And I uh, I phoned home, I spoke to my mom. She was like, she said, oh, Tim's here, have a word with him. And I, so I spoke to my brother and he was like, oh, he said, how is it? And I went, yeah, not bad. He said, "Oh, I've just because uh, <laughs> I've just been uptown and got some new stuff for the snares." I was like, "Oh, what'd you get?" And he said, "Oh, I got uh, Street Fighter 2. And we didn't have Street Fighter Two at that point. Like, and this mm. is quite. This must be ninety four, ninety five ish. No, probably ninety four ish. Yeah. But, um, but he was like, uh, "Yeah, so Street Fighter Two. So I was dead excited about that. Obviously, we had a um, we had a converter, we had an American copy, and uh, I said, "Oh, what else did you get?" And he said, "Oh, I got Super Pro Protector, and I'd read mm-hmm. about it." And I thought, and I said, "That's incredible." He went, "I know somebody had traded it in," and I was just like, "Brilliant." And then, and then I spoke to my mum, got off the phone, and then I was like, "It's Tuesday. I don't get home till Sunday. This is rubbish. I don't want to be here. Like, I've got, <laughs> I've got no interest in in bowling around these flooded German towns playing. Do you know what I mean? The soundtrack to Aladdin on a trumpet. Like, this is this isn't where I want to be. It was kind of magical when you put it like that. It really wasn't. Like, I, <laughs> <laughs> I just did. <laughs> yeah honestly all of it yeah <laughs> friend like me mate that was the one honestly oh yeah yeah we no, did that's kind of got a whole big band thing yeah going that's on. the thing yeah we, we yeah. used to <laughs> friend like me phantom of the opera there's a, there's a lot of it there's a lot of show tunes for it uh, for 14 year old podcast i can feel it <laughs> we should have had you on the aladdin show we did, it, did we yeah. Yeah, it was. It was. This uh, is all starting. This is all started to sound very video wizards. I, mean, little, I think yeah. you told the story on there as well. Yeah. I might have done. Yeah, it's a strange. It's a strange all right, tangent. get your plugs in. But get yeah, um, I. So I got. We finished on the. We finished the the tour on the Sunday, and then got got home. And I remember just getting home, and and then I spoke to, briefly spoke to my mum and and my brother, and then I just remember playing it. And the funny thing was, I played a bit of Street Fighter Two. And then started playing Pro Protector, and I was like, "This is incredible!" Mm-hmm. Like, and it stopped me. It, like, there's probably no higher praise for me um, as a, a gamer than of the the Pro Protector stopped me playing Street Fighter Two. Yeah, in my head, right. I thought to myself, "I'm going to play Street Fighter Two for ages. I'm going to get really good at it. I'm going to beat it on level eight. I mean, I had all these things, and I was thinking about what characters I was going to use, and oh, I've got to learn how to use X, Y, and Z. And this was yeah. all as I was coming home from Germany, and then I played a bit of Street Fighter Two, and I was like, "This is as good as I remember it." And then 
like yeah i started playing pro protector and i was like this is incredible like i, I need to i probably need to beat this don't i and um <laughs> i did it yeah I, I i never beat it on uh i never beat it on hard mode uh, no. as a as a as a kid um yeah um but i beat it on normal um yeah. with it with a couple of credits and then obviously i came back to it much later on but the funny thing was like it wasn't the first game in the um wasn't the first game in the the contra series that i came back to for the one credit classics really yeah i did uh i did the nes version of uh of contra i did that no yes. death and then i did this one and then i did super contra that you're on about earlier mm. i did that no death as well um this like pro protector i did one credit with a couple of deaths on the last level yes yeah on the uh I, weirdly it's on a boss that like normally i would expect you to not die mm. on but sometimes it's just like you know it, the, the, we'll talk about the hitboxes later but like you only need to be a couple of pixels out yeah. and it's the end of the game yeah. as well isn't it you know like it's, it's anything, getting tired like, and concentration it's, it's just like if you take that boss in isolation if you sit me down now and say yeah you beat that boss 10 times out of 10 i probably could if you yeah, say yeah. give yourself 20 minutes where you haven't died Yes, and then kind of leading up to that, like I did him. Um, yeah, you probably, absolutely. You probably saw the other day I streamed the uh, uh, stream Ghouls and Ghosts and did, yes. it, did it without dying. Like, I know. I didn't yeah. talk for the last like three levels. No, because the just the, the intensity of what that whole thing represents just kind of dawns on you slowly but surely. It's the same with any of these big clears, really. Like say same thing. I I look at it now and think oh, it's a bit of a stupid mistake that, but um, I. Uh, yeah, I was happy to get there. I was happy to get the clear. But- oh, yeah, and don't get me wrong, you know, it's uh, it's always comforting to those of us who aren't so gifted with uh, the quite the same levels of uh, fine motor skills and hand-eye coordination to actually see that, you know, sometimes even even the the mighty one credit Ben can uh, can die on a bit that I can actually do <laughs> without dying. It's like, oh, okay. All the time. Human. Mikhail, what's your history with this installment of Contra? Um, I remember it getting rave reviews in uh, Me Machines magazine when it uh, oh, yeah. was still called Contra Spirits. It was uh, like they were reviewing the Japanese import version. They did, yeah. And yeah, we had to wait a little while before uh, Super Pro Protector arrived here. And I mean, I was really looking forward to this game. I think I also had an EGM magazine where they kind of like gave a lot of boss tacti- tactics in there. And it was like loads of screenshots mm. in there. Uh, yeah. I was really uh, getting quite hyped for it, but then when it came, I bought it together with my brother. But we um, traded it in back back in for some of some some other amazing Super Nintendo game that came out in 1992, which was basically Europe playing catch up with the, the other territories, and yeah. you know, just so many great releases in that in that one year. Um, and the the reason was uh, I couldn't really get over the 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 robot uh main characters <laughs> if for some reason it just felt less cool uh, you know it's like and, and i don't know what it is i it's also a lack of color i think that main robot sprite is so gray looking where silver it gray the, yeah yeah the silver gray with Apparently the ma- blue in other yeah, installments but yeah yeah exactly but then you have these like uh really brightly colored main sprites in the in the yeah. other versions yeah it's true but um, I mean, I we played it that weekend. I think I beat it on uh, on normal mode. So then you also feel like okay, you know, I kind of seen a lot of it as well. Uh, and then I borrowed it from a friend on uh, numerous occasions. Um, still super pro protector, and I don't know. 
in my in my mind, uh, I beat it on hard mode as well, and I got the full ending. Mm-hmm. But that might have just been have been conflated memories because now when I got back to it, it's so much harder than I remember it being. Surprisingly because, so. Yeah, yeah, because I yeah. I seem to remember. Oh, it isn't that hard, you know. I was kind of yeah. Cycling, it feels like it shouldn't it. be. Yeah. We'll talk about the differences later, but it it it's, it can it can really take you by surprise. Some yeah. of the tweaks, yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, in the first stage, of course, enemies fire a little bit more bullets; they fire faster and sure that sort do. of thing. But then there's extra boss phases or or boss attacks and boss patterns yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I want to say uh, let, let's just be safe. Uh, I beat it on uh, on normal mode only. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, and then years later, when I got a Super Nintendo again. Um, I uh, got myself in uh, the main retro gaming store in Amsterdam. I got myself a copy of uh, Contra Spirits, which felt, uh, yeah, felt like, okay, that was the game I always wanted for some reason. It, it's a superficial as the two main character sprites, really, but ah, yeah, it but... made it made a big, big difference for me. Also, you get infinite continues on the Japanese version. That is true. That is true. Yeah. I mean, that, that was quite fun because I was playing it on original hardware over the past week and it gave me... A good opportunity without yeah. uh you know using um, modern convenience to, to still sort of practice level bits yeah. over and over until i found safe tactics for for every bit and that was the fun thing about playing it over the last week was kind of relearning the whole game again because i never owned yeah. it myself so i never really right. repeated play played it i felt like i knew it fairly well uh but uh, yeah i kind of had to, to learn a lot of like safe mm. things all over again you know like how to minimize yeah. risk and how to Stay out of the way of danger and how to deal yes. with uh, with the many bosses that the game throws game throws yeah. at you. Yeah, it's a it's a tactical game as much as one about execution. It's about learning and uh, and and yeah, knowledge. Knowledge is power. Yeah, um, to mitigate against what seems at first like almost brutal, unfair difficulty, there are ways and means. Uh, as I can attest to, I bought this game. Pretty soon after I got my Super Nintendo, which was my first Nintendo console, I bought mine, my PAL machine early in 1994, I think it was, with Street Fighter 2 Turbo. And of course, I immediately set about hoovering up all these other games that I'd been lusting over, having seen them in the pages of mm. Mean Machines and CMVG. So I was buying, uh, yeah, uh, Alien 3 was one that I desperately wanted because I was mad on Aliens at the time. And pilot wings and star fox and uh, all this other stuff and of course I w- i'd been a fan of konami's uh, output going all the way back to the early 80s really with scramble and gradius and stuff like that uh, so seeing the screenshots of contra spirits or super probotector in magazines and 95 percent review scores even though I'd never been a big fan of the Contra games at the arcades and I hadn't had uh, a NES, so I'd never sort of understood the differences between Contra Arcade and Contra Home. Um, I knew that this was a game that I absolutely had to have and uh, set about finding a second-hand copy of Super Probotector as soon as I could. I think I remember paying about 25 quid for it, which was the sort of going rate for second-hand SNES carts in the early mid-90s. Uh, and I played it a ton uh, and I played it and played it until I could complete it, albeit I think back then, weirdly, even though I, I was obviously 25 years plus younger and, um, you know, and you'd think uh, with 
I had better eyesight and you'd think better reactions. I think I'm in some ways, although my eyesight is definitely worse and my reactions may have slowed, I think I'm a slightly better gamer now in some ways or more, maybe just more learned and observant. Um, but I did manage to complete the, the PAL game with, yeah, I think it was po possibly with continues and possibly using the seven lives thing um, on the on the normal difficulty eventually. Since then, I've bought the game umpteen times on um, various virtual consoles, Wii and Wii U. I don't have it on the, th the N3DS, although you can get it there. And I've bought the collection, the M2 bundle anniversary collection twice, once on Switch and once on um, PS4. So I've been playing that uh, a ton. I've completed beautifully that version carries all three variants uh, with once you update it anyway if you download the latest version so you can play all three versions it even has the option of 50 or 60 hertz for super Protector, so you can play it in in its original compromised form or full speed um, i've completed all of those twice i think on normal and i even uh, just to say i've done it i i one cc'd the version on the snes mini which is the um american rom um, but to do that one CC, unlike Ben, I did farm some lives at the end on the mid boss of stage <laughs> yeah. three because you can, yeah, you know, and it's in the it's, game, so it's all it's fair. in the game. Yeah. yeah. So the director for Konami was Nobuyo Nakazato, and uh, Nobuyo had previously worked uh, on uh, some done some informal playtesting for Super C, the 1990 game. It was uh, it was his third year at Konami. He uh, wasn't a massive fan of the original arcade version of Contra due to the the, the curious nature of the the fact that it's a it's a game with a vertical monitor orientation, uh, but generally is uh, a lot of it is horizontally scrolling. So you got a, quite a limited reaction time. I'm sure we talked about that on our podcast. Nakazato's team worked in Konami's new offices, then new offices in Tokyo, seated next to the arcade team that had developed Contra. Nakazato shared progress, progress on Contra 3 with the arcade team and received positive feedback. And as I said, in early coverage, the game was actually often known as Contra 4. Nakazato also worked on Rocket Knight Adventures as the director, which is a game we may cover someday. Returned as the director for Contra Hardcore, which is the sort of Mega Drive equivalent or sequel to this game. Also worked on Vandal Hearts, which is an all-time favourite of mine. And uh, did some important work on Castlevania Symphony of the Night as well. So overall, not a bad CV, we should say. The game was initially released on Super Famicom in Japan, February 28th, 1992. Here we are. 30 years later to celebrate that. The North American version arrived in March 1992, as I say, after those relatively minor tweaks, and then the slightly more obviously tweaked and slower European version arrived in September 1992. Mr. Ixolite is our first correspondent for this issue from our forum, says, when I first played this, I had no idea it was Contra as it was one of a dozen copy-pasted and renamed games on one of the fabled multi-game Game Boy cartridges of dubious legality. Here he is. <laughs> Get a bit of piracy even, on. Even so, it still made an impression with its foreboding atmosphere, responsive gameplay, and unforgiving difficulty. The only way I could make reliable progress beyond the initial zombie-like turtle boss was to hammer in random passwords and hope for a later level. 
Years later, as I try out the SNES game proper, I wish I could say I had improved at Contra, but sadly, not the case. I think my mind wants it to be more like a Mega Man game, but it feels more like a shmup, a genre I'm also terrible at. And I quickly end up getting overwhelmed and wincing as my brittle avatar once again dies from a single hit. I really would like to improve, however, because something about Contra 3 keeps being alluring. Weaving through projectiles looks and feels great in the few moments I actually manage it. And after years of seeing the game referenced in various outlets, the visuals have become as emblematic of the SNES as anything else to me. So with the game set to easy mode and lives cranked to maximum, I'm making very incremental progress and hope to someday make my way to the impossibly cool looking and iconic giant blue robot skeleton boss. Uh, you'll do it, Mr. Exolite. You will get there. Yeah. Reviews at the time are interesting. In Japan, Famitsu, the legendary organ, only gave it a relatively modest 28 out of 40, so an average of seven of each of the four reviewers. Is it just me that finds that slightly surprising? Yeah, a little bit, right? Especially considering how well it was received over here. Yeah. Yeah, in America, EGM gave it 36, so four nines, effectively. CMVG gave it 91%, and yes, Me Machines gave it a whopping and lavish 95% review and sent it flying to the top of many wish lists, I would imagine. Rick Buxton from our Patreon says, What a classic shoot-em-up. Contra 3 was the first standalone game I picked up for my SNES. I must have read good things in Mean Machines as I'd not played the previous games, though I remember being confused as to why it was called Super Probotector over here. Silly name aside... I didn't really mind controlling robots instead of Arnie Rambo clones because the game immediately grabbed me. Great graphics and sound, a really balanced feel to the shooting and many memorable cinematic moments have firmly lodged this among my favourites of the era. Six excellently paced levels. Okay, maybe four. The top-down ones weren't great, though I appreciated the variety. So it's short and sweet, and but endlessly replayable. I still enjoy a quick blast through it on my SNES Mini, Time has not tarnished my childhood memories of this one. The GB version, again, sort of the mix of scores from the relatively, well, very middling in Japan of 19 out of 40 all the way through to 86 and 91 from Nintendo Magazine System and Games Master over here. The GBA version got a 5 out of 10 in Edge, citing the problems we've already talked about. Famitsu actually didn't mind it, 27 out of 40. And it got 7 in IGN and a 7.4 on GameSpot. User reviews wise, there aren't too many to go by. Same with sales, couldn't really find much useful information beyond it. Possibly sold 130,000 physical units in Japan. Uh, Nintendo Life has it at an 8.4 out of 10 from 268 folks who have registered a score. The year is 2636. The aliens that lost in battle to the Contras have once again regained their full strength and have begun a large-scale invasion. Humans are nothing but mere rag dolls in the face of their overwhelming resources, scientific capability and powerful life force. Half a year later, don't know what they were doing for that six months. Um, anyone? Yeah. Bill and Lance of the Contra team, history's greatest mercenaries arrive in the devastated city controlled by the aliens. A heated battle begins once more. 
Run, claw, run, claw? No, run, climb, ride and soar and start blasting your way to the alien main base before your family name and your planet are just dirt under Red Falcon's claws, says the US intro. Yeah, let's get into the, the visual side because, yeah, so often with games from the era, we were tantalised by screenshots for potentially for months before the game came out. We'd read a review in something like Me Machines the score for the graphics would be like 98%. At this point, I mean, yes, I had a Mega Drive, which obviously had some amazing games with some fantastic graphics, but I knew that the Super Nintendo had more colours, had this Mode 7 stuff going on, and I was just a huge fan of Konami's sprite art going all the way back and uh, and some years beyond this as well. Um, playing the game now, I mean, I still... I, I obviously... I, I have the eyes of somebody who was there at the time. And so you sort of carry a certain amount of residual respect and understanding of the context. But uh, but I think if this came out now, there was there was, in fact, a 2019 or 2020 game that did come out. That was a, is a kind of contra homage with very similar kind of visuals. Uh, but even then, I don't think they necessarily kind of match the the sheer bombast of what's got what's come out of uh, Konami here. I think uh, for me, it's still a cracking looking title. Yeah, I think it looks amazing. And I think like it's it's one of those things where, and we've said this with it, a couple of other kind of titles really, when you get the opportunity to continue a series and put it onto a, a, an upgraded piece of hardware, you really, so often, especially in this period when we were looking at the jump from 8 to 16 bit, you can tell they sat down and went, right, what, what's the limits of what this thing can do? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like mm. exactly what kind of tools have we got here that we didn't have before? And then they've gone, i tell you what, Terry, if that is in fact your real name, let's stick a load of Mode 7 on this. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean? Let's design several bosses and levels solely around Mode 7, because yeah. that'll be incredible. Yeah. No, it's like that. It's, it's often really fascinating to me that a lot of the first generation Super Nintendo games that came out really sort of blew everyone away. And then you got a second generation of games that visually didn't look as impressive. I think it was it was because they were really, like Ben said, trying to test the limits of what the system could do before things became more complacent. It's one of the like Contra Three, Contra Spirits, what have you, is one of the reasons why I wasn't really uh, that impressed with Super Metroid. Looking at it in screenshots, for example, mm -hmm. you know, like, yeah, and, and games that came out during this first, the first two years of uh, the Super Nintendo being out. Yeah. So and and it's uh, it's not just the Obviously, they had some supremely talented sprite artists. Uh, Nakazato himself is credited as, as an artist on the game, along with uh, Masayuki Saruta and Noritoshi Sasaki. Not a huge team, of course, as games didn't tend to be in those days. But uh, as ties in with the, the level design, which is very much about... Uh, not repeating itself like there there are there are some little sections that you might say well yeah that's kind of a slight reworking of something we've already seen before but there are whereas you might have seen in a in a lesser game a, a lot of kind of endless running from you know across a scrolling backdrop with kind of repeated repeating waves of platforms yeah 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 this just kind of does not no um this does not hold up in terms of throwing new things at the player and obviously that means a lot of different kind of looking screens and yeah it, it kind of starts really i think the the stuff that you really remember starts obviously with the um the first mid boss kind of smashing its way out of the background and then from then on you've got the the mode seven absolutely yeah like in my head when i think 
of 16-bit action game or SNES, SNES video game. Like one of the images that burns its way into my mind is the is the mode seven bomber coming out the back the the you know flying over and blowing up the front of the screen that is like yeah absolutely seared in my mind yeah and you have to do the pose when that happens yeah of yes course. yeah have the to. pose hold those shoulder <laughs> buttons down yeah to look cool um, yeah and there's a there's a reasonable amount of variety though you start in a ruined city. Uh, as is the way with Contra, you end up uh, battling through various environments. There's one that's set high above uh, the, the 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 cityscape below, I guess. Um, there's also uh, yeah a super fast scrolling level, which is uh, e- even higher in the air. And uh, and of course, you end up inevitably at the Giga inspired uh, biomechanical sort of alien icky realm yeah. later on. Yeah. Yeah, this this game, you know, the the way the stages are designed, and I don't know if it's fitting to talk about it here, but we talk about graphics, Go. maybe it is. Um, it's, in my mind, one of the first action games to really uh, incorporate some sort of uh, set-piece design philosophy. Like yeah. you said, that first stage takes you through so many twists and turns. It's absolutely insane. It was like nothing else we had seen up until that point. Um, you know, you're just... The first thing you do, it's ridiculous. The first thing you do is blow up a car just that just sits there for no reason. Absolutely no reason. Yeah, absolutely yeah. no reason. It's not. It doesn't really hinder you. There's not it even. It feels any great enemies. and it sounds great. Exactly. So that's the yeah. first thing you do. You blow up the car. You grab a barrier. And you just plow through, and then there's these dogs, these mutated dogs running after you. Then you run into the first um, sort of fortress wall. Then after that, you hop into a freaking flamethrowing tank. You blow things up, and yeah, then it just it just keeps on going. Like you said, like a building comes down, and a, a dude in a tank comes out from out of it. Then that uh, that bomber drops incendiary bombs on the on the ground and sets everything ablaze. And then yeah, it just it goes all the way through. It's uh, yeah, like you said, it's it's it, no one moment is the same as the next one. Um, and on the technical front, as well as it being uh, as so many Konami games were, and and we'll, when we come back to this series for the Mega Drive game, we'll perhaps see that they had to kind of jump through even more hoops to kind of create even more crazy effects for that console. Uh, they use, yeah, they 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 leverage the the capabilities of of the Super Nintendo. But of course, as we know from talking about SNES games before there were issues especially with the early games with a lot of slowdown uh lack of memory bandwidth and and sprite yeah flicker and and all this kind of stuff but for the most part other than when you do a bomb um most of that's kind of not too intrusive yeah not overly you can kind of engineer a bit of it with certain Mm. weapons which is kind of handy in places you know it's yeah, that, right. that thing isn't it you know buy like yourself some time exactly exactly there's it's not it's not the first kind of game of uh that that's been kind of a thing in you know what i mean no. where you can where you can, i was here i was streaming the uh, salamander the other week and oh yeah it's exact same thing you know yes. just over firing on all the hectic bits on that to just slow everything down absolutely kind of similar especially when we'll talk about different weapon techniques a bit later but when you when you do certain stuff that's designed to take stuff out quicker you'll find the game slows down a little bit because there's a lot of residual stuff on the screen that maybe it doesn't plan on being there, you know? Yeah. Um, but, like, uh, yeah, overall, it's never... I get the point with, um, yeah, when you drop a bomb and if there's a lot of stuff on screen, 
you kind of do get that uh, you do get that bit of slow every now and again but yeah when you consider how much stuff like is being thrown at it it's, it's unbelievable how well it runs mm. yeah the level that i mentioned with the the, the kind of speeder bike chase um still impresses i think and, yeah. and it's uh it's it's very fast and and all that parallax stuff with the variable late variable rate line scrolling uh isn't native i don't believe to the super nintendo in the way that it was to the mega drive so it's actually that required more wizardry pokery yeah, yeah. yeah to actually get that yeah running. it's it's a, that stage has an amazing sense of death yeah uh and yeah pace it still it still feels like it's yeah like you're going neck breakingly fast like you know the thing going to see return of the jedi as a kid and feeling like you were on that speeder bike going through endor although this is side on it's got that same sort of whip rush kind of yeah kind of sensation to it especially because everything keeps shooting and grenading at you as it will music wise and uh, it says uh, according to wiki nakazato believed contra had a low budget movie theme to emphasize this, he asked the sound team to change the music as the stages progressed to give a cinematic style. The music here really does cover the gamut of moods. It does, yeah. <laughs> from from really moody, downbeat stuff, atmospheric stuff, to, yeah, uh, you commented on your five-year-old stream, Ben. Like, it, there's, there's one bit that sounds like it, it's, it's from Pilot Wings or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's the, uh, the fifth level. Like yeah, the second of the top-down levels. That yes. does yeah. sound very Pilot Wings, doesn't it? Interestingly, there's uh, so there's there's three composers credited: uh, Miki Higashino, Masanori Adachi, Tapi Uase, and uh, an uncredited Aki Hatta. And I wondered if maybe that was the uh, that's the one that really stands out as being completely different. And I wondered if maybe that's the I could be completely wrong, but it almost sounds like a different um, sound palette to the rest of the soundtrack. It sounds more like the. Um, secret of mana sound palette than the than the contra sound palette whereas the music to level three is one of my absolute favorite 16-bit tracks yeah. of all yeah uh it's just so moody yeah, yeah it's and, full of foreboding isn't it yeah it feels yeah. really like um and it it sets like it makes sense they're saying they were, they were doing this like as a soundtrack like like a, a film it's another one mm. of those ones where it really kind of accompanies uh perfectly like not just the kind of over themes really of what what you're kind of trying to do like the first theme obviously is kind of a bit bombastic do you know what i mean because the yeah. because the start of it is the, that first level as you said it's like it's like welcome to the jungle you know what i mean i have to have a destruction yeah. it's just you just set your stall out with that and say look this is what we're all about this is this is exactly what this game's going to be it's just going to be bedlam for like the it's whole interesting time. they dropped the main contra theme from the previous two games yeah i that's always true. think mm. yeah 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 it would have been interesting to see how they would have uh, like what how this kind of sound palette would have made it would have kind of made made of it really yeah like, um but we know, hear it a bit in the end of level jingle i guess yeah because that's yeah. that's sort of that's part of it isn't it yeah yeah uh, every, every song something different you know and every song something good as well like the the first of the two the first of the top down levels like the second one yeah that song that tearing up the turnpike song that's incredible yeah, like, yeah. i love the that's, intro that's one of the songs that just i can't get out of my head you know when, yeah it's that uh, when, synth, I, when i'm, that I'm trying incredible. to sleep at night i'm still i'm still <laughs> hearing it it's the sense of that mad synth yeah mad it's bass. incredible but then like yeah. when you get the the great thing on that is like the when it when you finish that level and then that really sinister boss music comes on yeah, like yeah. as that as the as the mode seven monster turns up yeah like it's <laughs> yeah it's it's, it's incredible <laughs> 
It's a yeah. great juxtaposition. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah. The um, even the even though I yeah, maybe uh, I, I'm not sure about you folks. We'll talk about it later. I'm I'm also not like the biggest fan of the mode seven levels compared to the side scrolling levels. But the music that plays at the start of that, you know, the 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 kick off to that track as it zooms in at the time again. Obviously, the talking about the technical aspect. Um, it wasn't the first game I'd ever seen to do sprite scaling or even use mode seven on the super nintendo mm. but it was a thing at the time that still was like a bit of an eye popper yeah. you know just like the idea that you could see the whole level before without any cut yeah the game would zoom in from the helicopter view all the way down to where you are and the fact that you could actually do that in one movement was at the time 30 years ago uh, pretty revolutionary definitely and of course, as regards to the sound design itself, uh, the Super Nintendo was pumping out a lot of uh, cracking and booming explosion sounds and a pretty much a constant hail of gunfire, funny little sound samples for people dying and, <laughs> and you dying. Um, some very kind of, yes, like distinctly Super Nintendo sounding sounds like, uh, like the, the bomb going off and yeah. um, all this stuff. Uh, yeah, it's still a game that I'm I'm much more likely to play this with the sound cranked up than I am yeah, muted and listening to a podcast or something. Mm. Yeah, it's so much part of the experience, yeah. Daniel Glass from our Patreon says, For decades, all I knew of this game was the amazing-looking screenshots used to advertise it in magazines. Being a fan of the first two games, it looked like a bigger, better, more super version of Contra, but I never got to mess with it. A few years back... Somebody was throwing away the SNES manual on the curb, along with a few other game manuals. So I picked it up, read through it like I would have in the olden days, and sold it on eBay for a chunk of change. It put the bug in me, though, so I downloaded the game via emulation and found it rad, but pretty tricky. With time, I'm sure I could have gotten it under my thumbs like I did for Contra and Super C on the NES. I've since bought it properly on the Switch collection, but haven't been back to it yet. Maybe this week. Go for it. Yeah, get it done. After listening to this podcast. So what what makes uh, a, a Contra game a Contra game? So obviously the, the, the aspect ratio is, is changed here from the vertical orientation of the, the arcade monitors of the previous ones to a more horizontal scrolling, but certain key aspects of Contra remain. So you've got a very, very um, kind of, probably even more so than its predecessors, a very um, responsive, yeah. flipping main character. It's so uh, it's so zippy, right? And I think Super that zippy. typifies yeah. the best Konami action games, like, whereas, yeah. you know, games by Irem, uh, like, in in a similar vein, usually feel more heavy and weighty and, and slower. Yeah. Konami's games typically are super... Hyper responsive. Uh, and even, We're doing Haunted Castle in a few weeks. Yeah, that's just uh, probably an exception, <laughs> but uh, generally, uh, you know. And even yeah. if you look at uh, like the the Turtles uh, arcade game that we've uh, yes. talked about, that also has this uh, very yeah. fast control and this uh, hyper responsiveness. Yeah. Yeah. So, what other aspects would you two say are kind of mandatory for a contra game? You need to. F- be able to fire in uh, multiple directions, at least diagonally. Yeah, 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 yeah. We talked about on uh, Video Wizards, the last one, we talked about a predecessor to Contra, Zane Slina by Technos. Yeah. And that right. only allowed you to fire straight ahead, for example. You yes. Know? So Contra yeah. really brought that like 
multiple direction uh, fire in there without the use for a rotary stick or anything like that. Like, yeah, uh, like and of course, that the resistance. Super Nintendo... The Super Nintendo version uh, was the first Contra to allow you to lock your gun in place, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. The, so you can uh, actually sta- stand still and aim, yeah. Makes things a, l- a little less fiddly. That's massive, yeah. that is. Yeah. It took me a while to realize that again uh, when I was playing the last time. Oh, yeah, I can actually stay in place and, uh, and yeah. fire in, in multiple directions, yeah. Um, and of course, you can fire down and diagonally down as well when you're jumping. Um, yeah. Yeah, and, and then, you know, the it has... It's funny with the Contra games that they typically have levels that sort of break the formula. Like, uh, of course, yes. uh, Contra 1 had the tunnel sections behind the character. Uh, Super Contra had the top-down sort of yep. commando or Ikari warrior Mercs, styles or yeah. Merc style sections. Mm-hmm. And then this one has the rotating uh, top-down sections. But what unifies most of them, if we're not talking Neo Contra, for example, is that... Um, yeah, they have this sort of uh, run-and-gun, side-scrolling platform shooting style to it. So you, there's a lot of like uh, different heights and, and different platforms you can jump up to get uh, height advantages, advantages. And, uh, uh, you know, you have to jump over some obstacles as well. So it's, uh, it's a real fusion of uh, shoot-em-up, as uh, some people have pointed out, and, uh, and platforming. But the emphasis is definitely more on shooting than on uh, traversing pits or chasms or things yeah. like that. Although it has its moments, yeah, and certainly they are there, you yeah. can lose lives to pits and chasms if you're not yep. if you're not feeling sharp. Yeah, uh, there's still that handrail. So handrail hanging off things was was new to this version, yeah. and yeah. I still even now occasionally manage to just sneak too far towards the end of a hangrail and you know fall off yeah. before i jump kind of thing and i mean it's infuriating and there's absolutely no need to do it yeah but uh all these little tricks and traps designed to to catch hanging up on something and then uh pressing down and jump to to let oh. yourself drop down and during yeah. the uh last part of the highway section i did it on accident a couple of times where i didn't yep. i didn't want to drop down <laughs> You don't want <laughs> off to, a missile, uh, not off the bottom. Easily missile. done. Yeah, no. yeah. <laughs> very easily uh, done. What other what other elements would you say are key and signature to Contra that appear here? Like, um, I think the the weapon selection is like mm. massive in this. Yeah, like uh, to the point where the more you learn about it, the more you realize that um, that that it's one of those things. Like in, in a lot of these games, sometimes you think, uh, is there a, is there a weapon that's useless? You know. Like when we mm. when we talked about it, when we talked about ghosts and goblins, we always joke about yeah. the firebomb. We're like, is it useless? Yes. It's not useless, but it's not really. There's it. not <laughs> there's not one kind of bit that's made easier by doing that. So like right. for example, when you go on and play ghouls and ghosts, like every weapon's good for something. It just might be that that one weapon might be good for one section, you know, like one very specific section. Yeah. And it's only when you play a game like that a lot do you realize the functionality of it all. And this mm. is very similar in that. Yes. Um. The the you get a big selection of weapons. Um, and a lot of them are kind of uh, very good in certain spots. Yeah. Kind of other ones aren't. And the other interesting thing for me with a lot of the weapons, well, with two of the weapons specifically being the laser and the, um, well, just the laser actually, the laser mm. um, changes properties if you on the top-down section as opposed to the scr- the regular yeah, section. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can hold it so out. The, yeah. Oh, so yeah. The laser's, like, yeah. the laser's like a flamethrower weapon. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah. Uh, in, the, um, in the kind of thingy set, in the uh, top-down sections. 
yeah, it doesn't wiggle about like the uh, the the actual flame weapon. So it's actually more it's more precise. Yeah, it's like exactly. a sniper flame it's, it's like a sur- it's a surgical tool. Yeah. yeah. Yes, very good for the second boss. Yeah, it's yeah. good for those. It is kind of good for those, but uh, but yeah, like the, the whole thing like moves really well and it's really kind of quick and like you say like there's there's never a bit where I have to when I play through this there's never a bit where I kind of not relax but do you know what I mean think of myself oh, I've got to get through this bit before something else starts you know like mm-hmm. there's not a even the first level like when I put time in to try and clear a game I get quite lackadaisical with the first level of most yeah. of these yeah, games because like I said when, when we've done all these ones when I said oh it, it took me 412 tries to get Ghouls and Ghosts yeah. right that's that means I've done the first level 412 times or at least no, started it 412 times that's what would that's kind of puts me off that level of 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 diligence and you don't and realize commitment. you're doing it that's the thing you know like, it was <laughs> right. only because i was keeping score did i, did I watch it but <laughs> yeah you get comfortable and get a cup of tea it's it's, it's, it's hundreds before you know it but yeah. like um like I, i'm quite like like with games like that that i've done a lot of like our type and things like that and golden axe and WrestleFest. like the first kind of bit i'm always quite a little autopilot about i can't do yeah. that with this you know mm, no right i can't i've got to be switched on from the start um, yeah, and I kind of I don't know. Yeah, you can get wiped on level one if you're easily. really not paying attention. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, easily. There's loads of times you can die. Yeah, like, yeah. and that's the whole the whole kind of thing I like about it. Like, I like the fact that it's kind of shorter. I don't, I don't know how long my clear was. Like, maybe twenty twenty six minutes off. Yeah, hour, yeah, like yeah. But I mean, yeah, I like the records fact that... are like fifteen, sixteen minutes. And, yeah, and your yours was like twenty five to thirty. So it is a short game. Yeah. if yeah. you don't die over. But it's over like again. it's you. You've got to be switched on though. You know. Yeah, it's twenty six minutes of being switched on, like the whole Completely. time. Yeah. you can't. Kind of, yeah. And I don't know. There's, there's something I really, uh, yeah, yeah. something I really like about. It. I think I was playing yesterday, and I got a severe case of restart syndrome, where I kept dying in the little pockets with uh, the dogs chasing you, and then guys, yeah. guys firing at you from the other side. Um, yeah, and, and that and, doesn't mess about that bit. No, and I mean, especially there, on hard, there's, it's just a matter of the. You know, developing a tactic for it. Like you shouldn't just go in and just react. You know, you need to have a plan before you go into those sections. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I just kept dying there, and I I hated when I died in the first stage. So I just kept on pressing the reset yeah. button, pressing the oh, reset yeah. button, pressing yeah. the reset button until I got through the first stage without dying. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, approved methods for sure. Yeah. The um, it's little things like the yeah the. The bit where you uh you've just killed the level three mid boss or the first of the two I guess level three mid bosses right the the spinny thing yeah uh, I, I'm afraid sorry for real hardcore contra law fans I don't know the names of all the enemies like some got people hilarious do. names honestly like the bo- that massive have, robot yeah. at the end of level three is called like Grand Prize Big Fuzz Robot or something stupid <laughs> some, like that it is something like that yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway spinny thing. Um, which again, yes, a great example of something that feels like it's just really brutal and cruel when you first play it the first few times, and then after a while you realise that it's actually fairly easy to do without dying. Yeah. Uh, but then the game designers decided that rather than just let you gently scroll into what is another kind of mid-boss encounter, actually, yeah, there's kind of three in a row on this level, aren't yeah, there? Yeah, yeah. Um, it just, for whatever reason, fires, is it four homing missiles at you from the bottom of the screen? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, just out of, like, there's no there's no justification for it. There's no, this thing is coming to get you. There's no, sh- there's no 
hint of a what is actually going on here it's just purely to make sure you're awake the whole time yeah exactly because otherwise that whole part would have been downtime you know it would have been yeah like nothing would, yes. would happen there. this is a game of not I, I would say the only bit of downtime i can think of although you can actually just there's no time limit in this game whatsoever you can just stand at the start of the first level to the end of time if you wish nothing will yeah. ever hurt you um and if you don't have is, good routes on the top down section then there can be some uh, significant downtime there when you're searching for the next target to destroy yeah but it is the bit where you're waiting for the bomber to come in like you've you've got about four seconds yeah. there where nothing happens and that is like yeah. remarkable in this game yeah yeah for sure <laughs> <laughs> i also wanted to ask you you mentioned this in your video ben uh i've never understood so Holding both shoulder buttons down makes you do a cool pose, po points both your guns in the air. Yes. Firing at that point then makes you fire both weapons and kind of do a spin, whether yeah. you're on the top down or... Is there any reason why you would ever do that? Not really. No, it's more <laughs> useful on the top down bits. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. If you get surrounded, it's useful right. on the top down bits. But, it like... but not many of the enemies on the top down bits take only one hit, do they? So... It dip uh, I don't know, it depends... Look, because here's mm. the thing, right? If you are doing that, then realistically, you've probably got either a laser or a flamethrower, right? You wouldn't do it with any other weapons. No, no, no. It's it's easy if you've got a laser and a, if you've got two lasers, or if yeah, you've got two flamethrowers, or yeah, a laser okay. and a flamethrower, then it's very good. It looks it looks you're just hilarious. Like spitting eight well. bullets out. Yeah, it does look funny. You just like a big garden sprinkler. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll call it that, the garden sprinkler. So the other innovation to the series, not to video games as a whole, of course, is. The extra buttons on the Super Nintendo also allow you to flick between two weapons. Now, you would think that this was just purely a a way of having the access to two different guns that have two different uses. And certainly that is one aspect of it. But actually, if you ever watch somebody playing this who knows the game really well, you find out that there's a technique uh, which massively increases your damage output. Because for whatever reason, uh, so there's essentially there's a gap, right, when you fire a weapon uh, between its bursts in, in most cases. Um, but the game will actually allow you to fire more quickly by, by rapidly flipping between the two weapons by tapping the X button. Now, uh, if you watch most speedruns, they will, as quickly as you can in the game, get hold of this particular weapon, which is... Uh, called c in the game which i think is crush yeah crush yeah. crash crush um and that's already i think i think one of the more useful and powerful weapons just generally although it does have a big old gap between firing which is the risk yeah. reward element to it but it's but like when it's when it lands of missiles that uh yeah yeah lasting explosions that continue the to, do to do damage yeah. yeah kind of situation so if you for instance are hanging in a robot factory above a giant robot's head and you hammer the fire button and rapidly tap between the weapon select buttons, you are letting go of a ton more firepower than the game kind of expects you to. Uh, ben, you showed, you shared us, uh, shared with us a bit of footage earlier from you doing the kind of, as, as quickly as you can do that boss, basically, which is like about what, four seconds or five right? seconds yeah. yeah yeah it's cool the the big thing like like you say is it's called crush switching and like um the switching mm. itself works differently with because the thing is right certain weapons it doesn't change aren't changed that much by switching in terms right. of things that have got a continuous stream of fire so you could have like for example 
two of the uh, standard guns, and it doesn't make any a massive difference. Mm, okay. With things like uh, Spreadshot, like it does, because it it interrupts. Because with Spreadshot, you can only have so many of them on screen at once. That's so it, it interrupts yeah. the rate of fire. The biggest yeah. one is, like you say, is with the 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 C weapon crush or crash or whatever it actually is, um, because that weapon stops um, when you can't fire any more of the rockets when the explosions are happening. Yeah. But the second you switch, it resets it to the other one. So you can have a continuous yeah. stream of both rockets and explosions. Right. And that's yeah. where the extra damage comes from. Yeah, yeah. So, like, for example, the first boss that comes kind of flying on kind of the uh, the, the, the big giant turtle, like, um, if you stand at the bottom of the screen, obviously um, its weak point is underneath it. Um, if you wait for it to do uh, to fire its first lot of kind of bullets, basically, if you fire a bomb, that'll push its head all the way back. If you start switching then with the two, because you can get two, you can get two of the sea weapons before the end of the first level, right? And then you try and keep them for as long as possible. Yeah. yeah. If you do the uh, the switching then, and you just hold the button down, you can kill it before the bomb even finishes going off. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, and the good thing is, you don't have to press more than one button at once. You you hold the fire button down because it's got an auto fire yeah, built yeah. in, isn't it? So literally, yeah. all you're doing is holding Y and continually tapping X. Is there a timing kind of... to, to tapping X? No. 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 You just hammer, hammer it. it. Just hammer it. Wow. Yeah, yeah. So like stuff like yeah. like we were saying, like the the one of the big set piece bosses, which is the giant robot at the end of level three. Um, if you if you kind of you if you've played it yourself, you'll know there's like there's three kind of distinct phases of that. There's kind of the lasers that home in on your phase. Yeah. There's the flamethrower around the screen phase. And then there's the time bomb phase. If you stand kind of above it on a certain kind of plane, what happens is the lasers go uh, upwards and miss you and then come across and miss you. And then you can drop and then you shoot kind of upwards. And if you're switching and hitting the button, hitting the fire button the whole time, uh, you'll die before the lasers get anywhere near you and before he even does the first phase. Mm. So that, that yeah. whole boss takes yeah that video i put out i'll put it up on twitter if anybody hasn't seen it yeah um, but that video it's uh, that that boss itself lasts yeah but five yeah. seconds and five. of course the point being that even if you're not speedrunning and there is no need to speedrun this game if you don't want to no. as i say nothing times out in this game whatsoever uh it of course just means that you're massively limiting the amount of deadly things you're exposed exactly, to yeah now actually that boss is once you know it it's fair i think i actually the the the, the head phase is easier to not die on for me than the two big robots phase. The two big robots um, phase. Uh, also, you can develop some very safe tactics to for yes. if you yeah. if you are mindful that the red robot can jump to the ceiling and you That's keep it. on yeah. evading him and then stick yes. to the, the walls on the left and the right side to avoid his bullet yeah. spread when he does. Uh, yeah. And you could concentrate your fire on the red one. Then you're safe on the ceiling from there on out. You know, yeah, when you yeah, take yeah, out yeah. the red one first, then uh, you just keep on hanging on the ceiling and kill the the blue one. I just find I'm more likely to take a hit from him either jumping up or yeah, yeah. his triple shot than once you know the pattern to the head. It's actually quite easy to just yeah, go yeah. round and round and never die. But having said that, of course, as we say, the hitboxes are, are, are brutal and sometimes you can just make a, a mistake. You can be out by a pixel. So, if you've already killed the thing in four seconds, that's it. That's, that's it. You've done it. The rest, uh, <laughs> the rest are left. The funny thing with those two yeah. robots as well is with two, uh, with, uh, two of the crush weapons, like uh, they die so quickly. They do, you just, yeah. You just hug yeah. kind of, because obviously the room's yeah. kind of like octagon shaped. You just hug like the top left-hand corner. You yeah. hold the R button down and shoot diagonally down and just switch. 
Like uh, the, <laughs> it's, it makes me laugh every time. Like the the red robot takes a couple of shots and then jumps in at you and just gets obliterated like every time. Like he's dead straight away. And then the blue one isn't a threat anyway. Like, it's yeah. like that whole in terms of you actually fighting if you don't count the bit between with the kind of foreboding kind of thing where the claws come in like in terms of you actually fighting with the right weapon selection there you can do that whole thing in about 15 seconds 10-15 yeah. seconds worth of yeah. actual fighting and uh, it's so satisfying Pull it, pulling it off properly so satisfying it does I do think this sort of design definitely informs a lot of uh, contemporary games and this is your inevitable mention of from software but certainly the way people talk about you know I'm less experienced I've only completed Bloodborne but the way people talk about getting to know the bosses in Dark Souls and things like that and actually the fact that the, the, the a huge aspect of these bosses in these games is the intimidation factor and the not knowing factors mm. uh but actually once you've seen them quite a few times uh the intimidation fades because you know you know you kind of know what they're going to do and um and i think there's there's some of that in this i think um certainly like cuphead which is a game we're covering later this year has has a certain element of that as well yeah. just uh it's not that it ever stops being challenging at all it's just that you know you know what it expects of you and the execution seems harder than it is at first because you're reacting rather than being proactive right yeah yeah um my question though about the switching between weapons thing is do you there's there's three possibilities i suppose one is it's just a complete um it's just a thing that is you know they it's accident it's accidental that the fact that it's in there two uh it was uh, the the play testers did realize the developers did realize that that was the the function of doing that and they let people discover it and balance the game to acknowledge that fact or three the developers never spotted that and it's just a thing that players have found post what do you reckon i don't know like it's 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 an odd one isn't it like cuz it it's niche to think that you'd end up with two of the same weapon right but then yeah. you can um like you can still switch with different weapon combinations and get good results, you know? You can have mm -hmm. one one uh, crush and one uh, spread, for example, and yeah. still do quite a lot of damage. So it's not to say that... I don't know. It's not to say that it couldn't have been found out kind of accidentally. Mm. Um, it's an... I don't know. Like It's one of those things where people would have put... If this was, was, was kind of just a complete accident, then people would have found it anyway because of, yeah. you know, the amount of time people were going to spend playing these outside of playtesting, you know? Yeah, um, I can I cannot imagine that as a game designer you um you want a certain combination to be much more powerful than any other sort of uh uh weapon combination because it feels like then like the rest you designed all of that for nothing, you know? Like uh so mm. it it feels mm. like yeah, like just something really imbalanced. So I like to think that it was a little bit of an oversight. Like combos in Street Fighter Two, uh, yeah. yeah, it would be interesting. Uh, you know, I found a few interviews with 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 the developers, but nothing actually specifically addresses that that aspect. But I'd be interested to, yeah, for like someone involved in the speed running scene to 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 speak to the developers and say, so did you mean this to happen like this, or did you just did it happen by accident and you left it in, or yeah. It's another thing that strikes me coming back to this game after I've probably played more Gunstar Heroes in recent years by Treasure, which, of course, was a, a team formed by 
former Konami employees and developers. And obviously there are quite a few similarities with Super Probotector and, and Gunstar Heroes. But of course what they did in that game is they gave you two weapons, but they also give you the ability to kind of uh, combine them, mix and match them into different weapon types. So coming back to this one, I was kind of ex- I was kind of waiting. I was thinking, what well, what happens if I get a laser and uh, and a flamethrower at the same time? Oh, nothing. You oh. Just switch between the two. But yeah. uh, I'd like someone to make that modded version of the game. One thing about uh, you know just taking it back to the mundane base design of the game. Uh, one thing about the switchable weapons uh, is that uh, we we discussed. Ghouls and Ghosts and Ghosts and Goblins earlier in the, the old Contra games in that you're stuck with one weapon and that you yeah. have to switch it out for the next one. Meaning that certain, you know, it, it's it's always a risk in those games not to go for the uh, weapon that is useful for most solutions because you don't want to be stuck with a very situational weapon when you're not in the situation that it's, it's fitting for. So this is quite kind of a big deal in that you can actually pocket one of the weapons and you yeah. know keep it for when it's handy and use a more all-purpose uh, yeah. kind of weapon in, in the other situations. If you're fast enough and you see that you're about to die, switch <laughs> switch away from the one that you want to keep. Yeah, yeah, that's another one, yeah. yeah. Or better still, yeah. evade the death. But um. and, and that's the thing about, uh, you know, if you disregard the OP double crush missile um, tactic... That's the thing, like, I think in contrast to at least NES Contra, where the spread is uh, the weapon that renders most other weapons useless, um, Mm -hmm. here, most of the weapons definitely have their purpose and are very viable. Uh, For example, the flamethrower is incredibly good in at least the first half of stage three, for example, where, uh, you know, when you're getting, uh, when these little uh, insectoid aliens are trying to abduct you, and when... uh, when you have to take out the spinny thing, you don't have to travel around it. You just use the flame and just toast it uh, without having to do the dance with the whole the whole thing, for example. And then once again, once you're up the part where you're you're moving up, you can use the flame to easily dispose of the two missiles that uh, this climbing boss, mid-boss, fires at you all the time. So yeah, it's, you know, a, a lot of weapons are very, very useful in uh, in certain situations. One thing that also strikes me about this game is just how little kind of random elements there are. Uh, but despite that, the game doesn't, to me, doesn't tend to feel repetitive or, or overly prescriptive. Um, maybe sometimes on the on the long sequences of bosses, I'm like, yeah, do this again, do this again. But um, but even though the actual, the kind of the, the run and gun sections at their most basic are tend to be pretty short uh there's yeah there's there's really not a lot that um that the game will kind of throw at you that you're not expecting um i think there's maybe a certain amount of like which which colored soldier runs on next is that always prescripted i'm not sure but I'm, i'm trying to think of any elements which are random or variable there's some boss patterns that can be um Especially like things that kind of attack you and things that kind of try and uh, crash into you, basically. Oh yeah. Like, there's a couple. Yeah, okay. of those, like the one we were on about, like the, the big kind of uh, on the last level, the one that I died on on the clear, the big kind of mm-hmm. uh, the big kind of flying bird that looks like uh, it looks like straight from a Judas Priest album. That does. 
Um, yeah. But yeah, same thing. Like it'll it won't fly in the same way all the time. Or when you get to the top of the climb on on three, kind of that giant robot that kind of um uh, you climb up the wall with and then attacks you with that um uh, with that kind of dagger that that where it's kind of firing yeah. itself towards you. That's quite random as well, to be honest. Sometimes right. it'll rush in like um, yeah, and it's position okay. a lot of it's positionally based, but like yeah. um you'll find that um uh, it's like with a lot of these things like uh your you, you decide what happens really like mm, like yeah. your your kind of position on it uh it might seem uh random but you being in a certain way um because there's stuff in these games like that is completely random you know what i mean there's complete there's there's uh complete random bits of kind of uh of, of kind of a, of enemy behavior really like you said about um about our type, the boss on level five on our type picks a random square on the on the mm. thing to fly, to fly at, and then it'll come back and pick another one. Now your position on that is doesn't it doesn't matter, you know? Like it just continually picks random things and flies mm. off at you. Whereas with this, the randomness is more that you get is more dictated on um, where you are and what you're doing. Yeah, you're mm. luring them aren't exactly. You, a lot yeah. Of these so like yeah. with the, with the two robots, like you say, if you wait at a certain point kind of in that in that kind of screen you know that one of them's going to kind of jump up whereas if you're if you're on the other side that's going to kind of jump the other way but it might yeah. not jump in the same way or it might run and then jump yeah. you know what i mean like yeah. you kind of uh, you create the uh, you give the game the excuse mm. to create the more kind of chaotic elements in a lot of those yeah, boss yeah. fights mm. Mm. yeah and that's what that's what keeps the variety even though it is ostensibly you are doing the same sequence of things over and over again but there's just enough yeah, the 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 human part is um, giving it its quirks and yeah surprises. Yeah, the bomb, the M eighty thousand helio bomb. I only learned in research for this show that uh, anything you kill with the bomb doesn't give you any score. Now, there's arguably no reason to play this for score as such because you can just sit on a screen and rack up your score for as long as you want if if you wish. Of course, if you're if you do want to farm some lives, then they are score based, the extra lives. Um, but I have no idea how much, how many points anything is worth in this game. It doesn't even have your score on the screen. It only shows you on the, on the um, between levels and, and, and after you die. It's a very weird one in that respect. Um, but uh, I suppose so. Yeah. So I suppose that makes me think, is there it doesn't really matter that the bomb doesn't give you any points no i mean if you're really hurting for extents maybe but uh yeah the bomb yeah. will likely save you in a hairy situation as yeah. well yeah so yeah and favorite times for bomb use <laughs> when a lot of uh small stuff is uh, coming after you i think mm. um so you can sort of wipe things out and it, yeah like yeah. in certain uh, certain boss fights it's it's good to to use a bomb at certain times to do some extra damage and get things over with um i slow things down a bit <laughs> yeah my boy was remarking on uh the uh, epileptic seizure inducing effect of it when he saw me play oh okay yeah yeah, I mean, it's sort of color cycles. Yeah. There's quite a lot of, uh, I was going to say on the on the technical section, there's quite a lot of uh, transparencies in this game or or actually what is what they call color math, which is where it's um, it was something that the SNES could do. Famously, the Saturn couldn't, working out what colors things would be if a different color was placed in front of them kind of thing. Yeah. That's in layman's terms as I understand it. But yeah, the, the, the bomb is a screen, near screen filler 
and kind of yeah flashes all the colors i hadn't really thought of that uh that aspect to it it's not like it goes from light to dark on and off though is it no it goes, no goes different colors exactly but anyway seizure warning this was this was prior to all games having seizure warnings in the box wasn't it i think so yeah i yeah. think that only happened after the pokemon incident that's right yeah yeah the barrier is a curious one the shield it lasts I don't know, not very long, six seconds maybe, yeah. something like that. You also always but get it at set times. Exactly. Yeah. That's what's weird about it. You can't choose when to activate it. This is an element, again, where there's virtually no RNG, although I think there's one weapon pod. Is it the one on the final boss screen that varies which weapon you get? Yeah. Yeah, if um, you pick, depending on which uh, thing that you pick, yeah, there's one of the one of the boss's forms, isn't there, that, uh, that just fires a load of uh, power-ups out at you. Oh, that's that. Yeah. Um, but the barrier always appears when it appears. The only real difference you can make to yourself is by uh, making it drop as far to the yeah, right yeah. as From possible. The yeah. So, so then you've got you to know it. when it's coming then. You know. Yes. Right. But it's an odd one, isn't it? It's not like um, it's not like it doesn't feel like a Sonic the Hedgehog shield where, you know, you've got it until you take a hit or no. something like that. It's like you get it. You've got it for a few seconds, and then it's gone again. Yeah. It's, a, it's, it's an odd mechanic, I think. Yeah, it's, it's weird, because uh, it means like, okay, these are certain sections that you can do without uh, taking any hit. But it's also not like they're uh, the most dangerous uh, bits that you get the barrier. Rarely. On. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. the thing, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's preferable to the shield in... Uh, I saw you playing um, Salamander. That's not a shield. Night, I'm not having that. <laughs> That's nonsense. Konami's bad shields in, in terrible. history. <laughs> Absolutely terrible. Yeah. I took a bullet straight to the head <laughs> through that yeah. shield. Never, ever trust a shield in any of the Gradius or Konami shoot 'em up games Absolute or Salamander or Life Force. Just, I don't know. I think they're just troll shields. It really, felt that way, they? to be honest. Yeah. Mm. And, then it- and this one sort of troll in this game. So the first one uh, outside of the very first thing that you do getting a barrier which i'm not i mean that's weird in itself right here's a barrier it lasts six seconds yeah i guess there's no enemies on screen the funny funny thing with that is though right with the barrier in general the big mistake that people make is they jump right and in this game you run 26 percent quicker than you jump yes right everybody gets it and then like so on the the first the first one you get is on the first level and it's that bit where those flames come up from the ground after the main flame but if you jump The uh, the shield will run out in between. The last one will get. Yeah, yeah the second yeah. two. Whereas if you run, you'll clear them all. Yeah. Also true though, it'll run out if you shoot the pod too far to the left and have to go back and get it. Exactly. It'll run out before you get to. The... It's so weird this game like that, like these li- weird little quirks, uh, and it almost at times like um, again reading some of the interviews with with the producer talking about how he wanted the game to have more of a sense of kind of lightheartedness and almost comedy compared to the, the two previous Contra games. It almost, you know, we, how much we talked about how the uh, Ghosts and Goblins games were designed around being hilariously cruel and like, you know, m- making you have funny deaths. I think things like that, where the barrier just runs out as you, as you hit the last flaming thing, it almost feels like a, little wink from the developer doesn't it yeah. just like yeah you messed up <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh so one other aspect that i wanted to talk about uh so i think these i think these games were always uh, are the original arcade games yep. both two player yep. yeah. yeah you can play this in co-op um 
I don't. I mean, I've never done it. I imagine I it just being player two dying a lot. I don't know. Yeah, it's 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 really fun. Just like okay. you know, working together with a with a friend to to try and get through the game. But it actually makes the game harder in many cases. That was my assumption. Because especially yeah. in the sections where you, for example, you're moving up on a screen, it's very yeah. easy to kill each other with one player scrolling off the screen. So you need to sort of work together. Okay, wait for the next person, and then while you do that and you try to coordinate your movement. You're all the more vulnerable to enemy attacks yeah. again. So yeah, it, it actually it's easier to and less stressful to do it by yourself. I was thinking that. Yeah. Ever tried it, Ben? I can't say I have to be honest. No, like um, no. I've never. Uh, I bet it will be interesting now. Like I've, would. I've I've seen like um, I wonder what I wonder how quick you, what changes like the boss mechanics are like. Yeah, I wonder if you yeah, get. I wonder which how many weapons you get. Yeah. I wonder if you get two people both with uh, both the double crush. Double crush, yeah, yeah. and you just rack Oof. everything. Probably the yeah. slowdown's got to be immense. Yeah, at I bet that it point, would be. Yeah, that is yeah. interesting. Yeah. And yeah, like you say, the ones that kind of make a the, the wall crusher, whatever it's called, uh, things like that. Like, how does it? How does it decide who it's exactly? Yeah. Crush? yeah, yeah, that'd be really there, bad because that that area isn't that big to move around anyway. It's tiny. Yeah, it's tiny. Yeah, yeah. There is a. Uh, two-player A and a two-player B variant that's as well. That's right. And that is yeah. the only difference is the top-down sections, whether you're that's both it. on the same screen or split-screen. Yeah. And split-screen split screen, is the, yeah. the better option because then you yes. can just move independently through the levels, even though your screen is, of course, fairly small. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Well done, them, for thinking that through. So, yeah, there's only six stages in this game from the streets of Neo City. Does anyone know why the first top-down level is called Maria Calderon Highway, named for the 17th century Spanish actress? This is not a quiz. I don't know the answer. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so proud of quizzes. A or B. Yeah, yeah. There should I've be an A no or a B answer. Yeah, I've got no idea. <laughs> no, the mistress I, I, of... I thought it was Philip a cool the fourth, The mother of his only recognised natural son, John of Austria the Younger. Yeah. I thought it was a cool mm. and oddly specific name as well. Yeah. Yeah. Like a very real world kind of location. Yeah. The third level, the old cyber steel mill. Sounds a bit Robocopish. This was, of course, a few years after the first Robocop movie. At the name of the third stage in Contra Spirits is Neo Kobe Steel Factory. Neo Kobe is the name of the city for the setting in the Konami game Snatcher. Oh. See our previous podcast on Snatcher. In addition, the player fights robots at the end of the stage whose designs are similar to the androids right. from Snatcher. Yeah, that's right, actually. Yeah. Thanks, Contrapedia. The fourth stage is uh, with the super fast thing and the whole set piece with the missiles and the back of the ship and the multiple, again, multiple bosses, uh, including an annoying little flying man with a grappling hook. <laughs> Uh, and a weird thing on legs. What even is that? <laughs> that doesn't last long. That that's no. incredible with the with with double crush. That's like that's one of the shortest encounters in the whole thing because it turns up <laughs> and then sets itself and then it never does anything. Falls apart. You know what I mean? It just lands, sets itself. You hammer it and then it dies straight away. Like it's, it's if it gets more than if it gets if it like starts walking, you've done it wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah. It can be done in yeah. like four seconds. It's incredible. If you don't and have think double it's crush about... missiles, uh, you will have to admire its weird twirly leg kind of uh, strange acrobatics. Yes. Yeah, 
that absolutely informed uh, i don't know if any of the specific people who worked on this game went on to work at treasure but that is the most treasure like boss of the of the game i think yeah. it, it it looks like it could have come out of uh of a Gunstar Heroes type uh, type experience, or um, yeah. or Alien Soldier, yeah, or uh, Rocket Knight Adventures for that matter. Yes, Rocket Knight. Yeah, it's course, a lot of shared yeah. DNA between all those games. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so the second top-down stage we've talked about a bit less, and I think I would have to say this is my least favorite oh, yeah. stage of the game. It's nonsense. Mucho grande badlands. Yeah. So the first top-down stage is set on, as we said, Maria Calderon Highway. It's uh, urban and uh, it's kind of grid-like, and um, there are some there are some bridges that collapse and some bombs on the floor that you need to be careful of. But overall, it's pretty straightforward. Mucho Grande Badlands has all these spinny plates and <laughs> conveyor belts and really narrow bits. Yeah. And uh, exploding bridges. <laughs> yeah, um, it's a real low point for me. Uh, I think e- even yeah. back in the days when I played it, um, I, yeah, it, uh, the, the games because of that stage, the games, uh, my esteem for the game uh, took a little bit of a hit there. Even though the music is so jaunty and fun, yeah, Very jaunty, isn't it? Yeah, and then one, and, <laughs> incredibly and, so, and that boss is terrible. Uh, <laughs> If you don't figure out that you need to be spinning counterclockwise, otherwise, yes, it's horrible. Yeah, yeah. I mean that is one, the key to the stage. Yeah, holding yeah. one of the holding one of the triggers down. Yeah, is the yes. key. Again, you can yeah, exactly in essence just walk straight by holding holding one of the uh, yeah one of the triggers down. Yeah, but before you figure that out, it's just so oh, it's a nightmare, horrifying, yeah. And, and yeah, disorienting. <laughs> yes, I think we've actually got at least one comment from somebody talking about motion sickness, so uh, that's not ideal. Uh, but my least favorite bit of of the whole thing is not the spinning so much as or the even the conveyor belts. It's that little tiny bit where you have to inch your way through the really tiny ledge. You've got no analog controls, so you have to kind of line yourself up and point yourself yeah. with the D pad. And it's still possible for the collision detection yeah. to just screw you over. Collision and detection drop down is not ideal in that stage either. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I wasn't even close to the edge, and you're you're dropping down. Yeah. Still, and then we end up in Red Falcon's lair, which is uh, it's another kind of it's mainly a boss rush, I suppose, yeah. with a couple of very short but very intense um, run and gun sections. Again, very uh, if, if if listeners, if you've played Cuphead, more likely probably than you've played this, they are a bit like the uh, the run and gun sections in that game. Yeah. But again, um, now this this level, I think by most regular folks reckoning would be described as challenging uh it's it's a boss rush um again sort of a greatest hits also throughout the boss contra and super contra yes which is fun yeah um yeah what so what's the uh what's the strats here ben to uh minimize loss of life and uh chewing of knuckles it's like each kind of boss has got um something different really um like for example you can't really take the bits in between slowly because the enemies keep spawning anyway and they run and jump at you, you know? So, like, it's tough because you have to keep moving, but a lot of that is reflex-based, and that's why it's tough. If you watch the bit that I died on, like, I killed the first boss, which is kind of the kind of a 
the thing that spits the uh, that spits the kind of bugs out at you with the yeah. face hugger. Yeah, the face hugger type thing. Yeah. No, so no, I no. The, that one. The, the the circling prawns, right? That's the one. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah. yeah. I oh, kill yeah. I kill that dead easy, and then uh, I get past the next bit, but I have to keep moving. I think I use a bomb, and then I jump. And as I jump, the last bit of the bomb kills yeah. uh, the alien running on too early, so it's got time to spawn another one. And so right. I land right on top of this alien and then die basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I run in and you have to fight one of the bosses from um, one of the bosses from Super C, right? The one like the one that scuttles yeah. across the screen. Yeah. Um, face hugger with the face. That's it. Which once <laughs> yeah. again, and you also fight the boss from the end of um, uh, the first Contra, yeah. who's dead easy yeah. to be honest. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Really easy. Yeah, that's it. But the, yeah. like you say, the face hugger, that one that runs across at you. Um, once again, if you've got two. Uh, if you've got double crush, it's seconds, mm. you know what I mean? You can mm-hmm. just kind of, you jump on the ceiling, wait for it to kind of stand underneath you, and then you land you land on kind of the claw bit in front of the That's eye. It. Yeah. And then you can blow it up kind of really quickly. And then it's... Um, yes, it exactly as you say, like the longer you leave it alive, the more it's going to start throwing things in the exactly, air. And yeah, exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah th- there's loads of bits like, like after that then you fight the boss who's uh, the boss of Super Contra. Like the one with the, uh, the the guy with like the face and the two tentacles that come at you. Yeah, but, like, but in between it, you still have the flying bat-winged alien. Yeah, and that's the one that came out as well. Yeah, yeah. His ability and to the, teleport's nasty on that. Yeah, you need to constantly be above it when it comes for you yeah. or when it teleports, and it, because move. otherwise you are at be- yeah at big risk of taking a hit from that swiping tail. Yes, I killed that one in in like the, I did the opposite because I ended up on that one yesterday. I think it was with just the basic gun, uh, and so you can only get literally like three plinks. You can hear the plink as you as you hit it, so you have to just keep going up to the top of the screen. As soon as it appears, just go down about yeah, the length yeah. of the character and fire off a few bullets as a diagonal. But it takes so I long. I can't imagine that how long that take. Yeah, it takes a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you get there, you know. It yeah, that's, that's kind of um, it, mental stamina. So, yeah, there's so many. <laughs> exactly, there's so many bosses on that bit. You know what I mean? And then you fight that other one before you fight kind of the last boss. And then obviously, if you play it on, as we said, the last last boss. We well, let's talk about them. Yeah, in sequence. So the yeah the the kind of what you could easily be forgiven if you'd never played a video game before for thinking is that the final boss is a big old alien type head brain situation with eyes and two big snaky tendrils left and right uh and yeah coming back to this a few weeks ago which i hadn't you know when i hadn't played it for 25 years or whatever i'd completely forgotten that the it's actually quite again once you know it's quite easy to lure the tentacles away from killing you at first it feels like this is so unfair they're just going to kill me whatever i do but actually they're quite stupid and if you jump at the right time, they won't touch yeah. you. But once you kill those, they start the the remaining wounds start spilling out aliens left and right. But actually, uh, that's kind of harks back to a situation on the um, on the fourth level, doesn't it? With the uh, with the little dude hanging above you and jumping about on the rail and. So you're kind of doing that thing where you're you're locked in the middle, but you're firing left and right as things emanate yeah yeah it's it's like you've got to take the uh, you've got to take the head out as quick as possible there because the screen fills up very quickly there mm-hmm. if you've got any bombs at that point it's well worth waiting until you're just about to die and then using it to maximize how many shots you can get in on the head without any risk 
Now, once you kill that and you think, yeah, hey, I've completed the game. Of course you haven't because it's a, it's a 90s Japanese video game. So the final boss for normal difficulty is a brain. Okay. <laughs> and um, uh, it's, a, it's a brain with balls. <laughs> <laughs> the, the balls spin. And then, yeah, this is sort of an, an interesting idea, uh, which is you actually, you have a certain amount of control, autonomy <laughs> over what you fight for the final final boss different balls equal different patterns right yeah and, and like it, you have to and it, they rotate quickly so like you have to you basically it'll stand there with the, with them spinning around and whichever one Wheel you of fortune yeah whichever one you shoot then all the others disappear and then that's the attack pattern that it uh, that it kind of hits you with and it's got whatever it's got six or seven or eight or something yeah yeah some i think uh, i mean i guess they're all you you might say some are harder than others, but actually they're all uh, they're all learnable to an extent. Although the one that's sort of the Pang one or the the Buster Brothers one, where it's just bouncing blue balls around the screen at you, that's always going to take a certain amount of twitch reactions. Yeah, yeah. Rather than the one that I know, um, I think you focused on, and I've, I've again speedrunners seem to focus on the same one, which is the one where the brain goes to the bottom right of the screen, yeah, the stone looking one. Uh, and spews out these crawling spiky balls at you. Now, this is the one point in the game that really knowing where your character's hitbox is when you're prone is, is important. I'd never even thought about this, but um, like you were, you're, it really looks like when you do this that you should die yeah. Yeah. over and over again. 100%. Because like, basically the way it works with those, those kind of uh, those spiky things is the fact that they kind of go... They've got two joined together, and one goes up and over the other one, and then it kind of goes on, it's like a walking kind of motion, basically. And if you kind of duck um, at a certain point, you line yourself up with a background and duck. Like um, the 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 enemy's hitbox um, for both of the spheres uh, misses your hitbox completely. So like yeah. you can stand there, and those things just go straight over you. And like you say, it looks like that um, it looks like you're going to get hit, but you never do. Um, yeah. And the funny thing was on my on the clear that I put up, I'd been hit, mm. so I didn't have the optimal weapon um, configuration. But yeah, so it took a, took it took a bit longer. Yeah, but um, with the right weapon com- configuration, you can do them in um, you can do them in one if you time it right. But it's easily done in two, like in two kind of um, two kind of cycles. Uh, but yeah, like if you haven't got that, uh, and then you just like I remember the, the getting to that for the first time and thinking like I had no idea what any of these things were or what I was doing. You know, it's yeah. It's like a such a cool. Uh, I think it's such a cool mechanic. You know, I think it's a very interesting thing to kind of throw at people because you say you you like you you really think that especially because the the boss you fight before that has got two phases, and you generally associate multiple phase bosses with being end end of game bosses. You know, yeah. Like yeah. Uh, he's kind of the only one out of the ones that you fight that's really got a distinctive part one and kind of part two yeah and you kind of beat them and like oh that's it then and then that brain turns up and you're like oh no this is part three is it yeah and if it's hard mode it's part three or four (laughs) yes any favorites of the of the different balls to go for (laughs) michiel or do you just take whatever you're given yeah just take whatever i'm given okay 
<laughs> so yeah if you're playing the original japanese rom which is generally a bit friendlier you might not be able to understand the text if you're only an english uh speaker and reader but you will get an end sequence for finishing it on normal whereas on the us and european roms <clears throat> you don't even really properly get an ending if you finish it on even normal um obviously back in the day when i did manage to do that i took it and that's fine i didn't carry on playing hardcore <clears throat> Who knows, I might still manage it one day. Hardcore, I have to say, the <clears throat> having watched the final, final, final boss, the boss itself, and I could be wrong about this, and this is watching somebody who's already worked out what to do and has the right weapons, the final, final boss itself doesn't look like the hardest part of the whole run of a hard difficulty run, but maybe that's just because I haven't understood how it's going to kill me a hundred times. Yeah, it doesn't look... I don't know. It doesn't look impossible, but then like it's the same thing, and it like none of the, those things do when you watch. Uh, no, do you know what I mean when you watch people? Yeah. Often really those people, it. exactly, they make the games look easy, right? Very true. Yeah. yeah so it's a it's top down. So uh, when you escape from the 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 end of the game on on easy or normal, you climb aboard your missile copter and fly out of an exploding volcano because it's a it's an eighties action movie kind of deal. Um, but with hard difficulty you're not done yet the uh you've got a kind of top-down perspective mega angry i guess it's another form of the same monster i suppose chasing after you as you um as you as you vertically yeah, jet upwards the brain gets sort of an exoskeleton shell That's thing it. around it yeah and it starts uh yeah. climbing after you in a very angry manner yeah it don't look pleased it's cranky it? <laughs> no it's not, not very pleased no uh so yes um maybe someday um i could i mean i could easily do it obviously with save states as anyone could but um but uh i thought nah not this time nakazato says wiki was concerned the traditional pattern of weak enemies followed by a boss fight was becoming mundane and didn't want players to feel in for the long haul every play session to combat this he established a key concept for something interesting to happen every three screen scrolls this made the game content feel more dense and gave it a boss rush type feel. Nakazato believed Contra 3's fast-paced action was going against the trend of home console games shifting to slow-paced strategy and role-playing games and is good for quick starting stress relief. I'm not exactly sure what that means. I think uh, something that you can just press quickly, start yeah, on, and okay. it, it immediately kicks off. Yeah. You, know? you don't have to... Yeah. You don't have to wait through long cutscenes or anything like that. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Nakazato also believed that the action in earlier Contra games was too realistic, <laughs> which, if you've played those games, is pretty funny. So for Contra 3, he wanted to include more comical elements. He was concerned the change may upset series fans, but believed it would be more entertaining. One scene added to accomplish this is a sequence where the player hangs yeah. from flying. That's missile. where it gets super ridiculous, right? Um, yeah. I think they really took it uh in ridiculous even more ridiculous um to more ridiculous lengths in neo contra uh on the ps2 yes. where you're running on the in uh through the air on uh the rotor blades of helicopters where they sort of jog along the the rotor <laughs> yeah. blades of the sp they're spinning yeah, that, rotor blades of the helicopters that doesn't work no. <laughs> i've tried it no i haven't tried it um 
Yeah, it's a real shame that quite a lot of the former Contra games are now consigned to legacy formats and not easy to play necessarily. Obviously, emulation exists and as does original hardware, but it would be nice for convenience sake if Konami saw fit to uh, put to put something together. Um, but it's a it's a little bit more of a, a tall order getting emulation of multiple post 16 bit systems together. On the plus side, there are heavy rumours that PlayStation is about to launch uh, backwards compatibility in some form. So maybe that will see some of the PS1 and 2 games available again. Maybe. We shall see. But um, yeah, I, I'm very... Uh, my knowledge of the the post 16-bit Contras is pretty slim, to be honest. Uh, played a little Contra 4 on the DS. But... Um, Oh, and uh, Hardcore Uprising on the on the 360 and PS3. Mm. That's a good which one. Is, uh, which is very cool, yeah. Uh, yeah, and I just wanted to reiterate for those who, you know, whether they get inspired by Ben's videos or, or us just talking about this old kind of um, style of uh, of game philosophy, if you actually want to get a legitimate one credit clear on a on a, what is generally considered a hardcore old video game. There's actually kind of a way you can do it on this um, with a little bit of mitigation, which is if you can get to halfway through the game, basically, you can then stand in a safe place to the left of the screen or possibly to the right as well. I don't know. Why would you? And if you've got, uh, I think, one or two of the weapons, if you just hold down the fire button, you may end up taking a death but it wouldn't be that big a deal but if you've got like a spread gun or certainly if you've got two two weapons and you want to switch between them you can just rack up lives by holding down the fire button Mm. up to 30 nice so or you can if you play the japanese rom you can just keep continuing anyways (laughs) but it's there it's right there whatever the points you get for each of those enemies are there i mean i assume that's not the only place you could farm for lives but it's the place that is optimal. Yeah. 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 As we said, if the player completes the game on easy or normal, then they will start at the very first stage on the next difficulty with their current weapon configuration, lives and score intact. So that is another way of trying to tackle hard, of course, Mm. is to rack up a shed load of lives on normal and your double crush guns or whatever else you want and roll it onto hard is that something is that a way of potentially doing this ben? yeah probably that you would i reckon advocate that's even harder though because mm. the Do thing think? yeah because you get double you get double crash by the end or crush whatever it is by the end of the first level you know true like here uh, so it's not like and the first bit isn't really that hard anyway like i but you might have you, more lives though the first level hard on hard you might have loads of lives yeah, yeah you might have more you lives have you might have more bombs it's like doing the second loop of uh, Ghouls and Ghosts. Yeah, it's a lot of work for that though, isn't it? Like that's a <laughs> it is. that's a fifty minute clear. Yeah. True. You know, like it's it's certainly possible and it like it's, it's an option. Yeah, hundred percent. It's a legit do you know what? <laughs> I bet that's harder to be honest, I think. Because you've got to focus okay. for way longer. Yeah, yeah. That is true. Yeah. That is true. It'd, it'd be cool to see though. Like it'd be cool to do all three, yeah. right? Yeah. It'd be cool to do easy, Absolutely. normal and then hard like it really would, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. How long is that what's that? But about an hour, an hour and twenty. Wow. Oh, yeah. stop it. Let's talk about someone else. <laughs> <laughs> you, you're already sizing it yeah, up. Yeah, basically, yeah. I could easily yeah. do that. If I got my head around how to beat hard, I reckon I could do that. 
you would have 30 lives by that point because you would have you would get so because you you'd nail easy um even if you didn't farm you would end up with a ton of lives going into normal. yeah that's a good point you would you would gain lives on normal as well because you're good at that and then you would end up with the, the kind of 30 lives going into hard so unless you're trying to no death it uh yeah, i would silly. say that you're onto a winner yeah, that would be silly. Yeah, the 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 plan is to do hard mode at some point, um, but yeah. probably do it on Pro Protector and then um and and see how we learn it on that really, and then see how yeah, do it on the fifty. Yeah, hertz. that's feasible. the other option because yeah, it really does. Going back to the fifty hertz play as I, as as I've done on the on the PS4 version, like yeah, you have got literally fifteen percent or thereabouts. I, I always forget the exact maths. More time to react to yeah. stuff. Now your character moves slower, but not. Uh, but not in a way that's relevant because you've still got longer to react, even if the button press takes another frame or whatever yeah. it is. But you you, the... you you have more time to think. I was uh, think. I was really taken Sorry. aback with uh, when I got my uh, sixty hertz switch uh, installed on my Super Nintendo. But yeah, how much harder UN Squadron became all of a sudden? Oh my god, going from fifty yeah. to sixty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All those SNES games that so many of us in Europe cleared back in the day, we were es- essentially playing a kind of yeah, a, a tantamount to easier mode without us even really knowing. Yeah. Um, and also a slightly less fun in many cases mm. mode. I mean, uh, I mean, that's debatable game by game. And I know some people swear by their PAL versions, but really, like, I was just playing the PAL version 50 hertz earlier on Probotector. And, like, even that bit where you're, you talked about the barrier, the first barrier you get uh, where you're running past that, the flames. That bit just feels really turgid on the power version. <laughs> yeah. Just like lumber, 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 lumber. Whereas the whole thing feels so incredibly zippy at 60 frames. Mm. But it is interesting, I think, how, you know, the, the whole 60 hertz thing and, and more, 120 hertz in many cases now is considered so desirable, even outside of uh, PC gaming elite kind of circles. Obviously, it's always been a thing in, in arcade gaming and it's always been desirable. But it is interesting how Konami in particular didn't really care that much if their game plummeted frames at times so now that would that would be the subject of a digital foundry video if 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 contra 3 contra spirits came out now which is a game that obviously john lineman adores but if it came out now they'd review that game technically and say well the performance on this game is very subpar it drops massive amounts of frames every time (laughs) the screen gets busy But we'll because it's old because it's thirty years old. We'll consider it a classic and give it a free pass for, for that. But I'm fine with that. Yeah. <laughs> Psycho hype from the forum says I remember playing Contra Three for the first time when my friend from the first grade rented a Super Nintendo with this game and TMNT Turtles in Time. Contra Three was the first time I experienced that particular sense of wonder that came from seeing the amazing graphical potential of a new gaming console. It's hard to comprehend the feeling unless you experienced it at the time. The game looked incredible and it played like something out of a movie with multiple moments of cinematic action right in the first level. We especially liked it when the plane flew overhead and dropped liquid fire onto the city, momentarily turning the level into an urban inferno hellscape. I'll never forget the backdrop of level three, which had you climbing on what must have been industrial pipes and scaffolds built high up in the sky. At the time, with the parallax scrolling effect, it looked believable enough to give me a thrilling sense of faux vertigo. It felt three-dimensional. My friend and I had a blast that day. 
Of course, we never even made it to the second half of level 3 since it was so stinking difficult. This is definitely the hardest of the classic Contra games in my opinion, even harder than Contra Hardcore, which was a game I would later own on the Genesis. I did finally beat it without save states in 2020 on the Contra Anniversary Collection. Granted, it was only on normal difficulty, so I didn't get the final challenge or true ending. And I was only able to do it by farming for 30 lives on level 3, which takes about 45 minutes of sitting there and holding down the fire button as an enemy dropship hovers back and forth, endlessly spawning enemies. Mm -hmm. Not exactly a thrilling way to conquer a game, but it was right during the first weeks after my daughter was born and I would have to stay up all night while she slept in my arms. So in a way, it was actually kind of memorable beating Contra 3 at four in the morning while holding my infant daughter. That is beautiful. Still kind of stings thinking that I might never get the credits roll of this game, but that hard mode is so much harder. Hats off to anyone who has pulled off that particular feat. Well, as we say, if you want a credits roll, just do what you did on the Japanese ROM and you can get some, you can get some closure <laughs> if you want. It might help. One more thing to check off for this show is not really a Contra game, but because it'll never get its own Cane and Rinse podcast, there was a game called Contra Force. came out in North America only in September 1992 on the Game Boy. Sorry, on the NES. Yeah. It's actually a game that was originally intended to be called Arc Hound in Japan, but was never released. <laughs> so, yeah. It's an American game only. Anyone ever seen this even? It's not really a Contra game, but it, it's it got a Contra name. Yeah, I've watched footage of it and maybe a review or two. It, it didn't look very good. And uh, no. yeah, I mean, not really worthy of the Contra name. Yeah, seems more like a marketing exercise that they called it yeah. Contra for sure. So there it is. That's checked off. So before we summarise our own feelings on the Mighty Contra Spirits, we've got a batch of three-word reviews from Twitter. Follow us at Kane and Rince. Ben. Tom Hewlett says, Overhead Nausea Nightmares. <laughs> Rawcord says, Best Mode 7. Sludge Wizard says, Second Favourite Contra. And R mm. Rick Buxton says, Let's Attack Aggressively. Natch. Uh, I think we had at least at least one more of those. But what Sludge Wizard is your favourite Contra? I want to know. Is it the original? Is it the Mega Drive one? Yeah. Is it a quirky entry? Shattered Soldier? Who knows? Let us know. Right. So, yeah, time to conclude our first Contra podcast for five years. <laughs> Hopefully it won't be another five years until we talk about the Mega Drive game because I think that would make a good uh, accompaniment to this podcast especially as uh, yeah as the the other 16 bit game in the series the the equivalent title i think it'd be good to come back to that definitely and we would um, need Dan Clark on that one as well right uh, and and that's a game again with significant regional variations isn't it because yeah. the you've actually got a life you got a you, you can take more than one hit in the japanese version mm, lux luxury yeah luxury indeed yeah but for now, let's summarise our thoughts on Super, Super, Super Probotector slash Contra 3 slash Contra Spirits. Let's start with Mikhail. I think in many ways, um, Contra 3, Contra Spirits, as I uh, mainly know it by these days, um, is one of the uh, 
quintessential action games for the Super Nintendo. It's just a fantastic 16-bit blast fest that doesn't fail to impress you when you play it. Um, But um, unfortunately, this is something I've always felt, it has those top-down sections, those top-down levels. And if it would have been its own game, the top-down the top-down bits would, uh, it wouldn't be that bad, you know, it would be a perfectly acceptable type of game, um, you know, maybe with that desert level as a, sort of a, a very nasty sticking point. Um, yeah. But just, I think, because the side-scrolling run-and-gun bits are so good, it actually really kind of detracts from the rest of the game for me, you know, because it's just, the rest of the game is just that good. It just hits those incredible heights. Um, so, you know, but Contra 3 is, uh, apart from those uh, those two levels, and it is a short game, so those are two levels knocked off from the whole package. A third. Yeah, a third of the game. Apart from that, it's just, you know, the highs are really as high as they come for a game of this type of this era. So it's absolutely worth playing despite that. And uh, very gratifying to try and learn and try to uh map out and you know learn tactics for and 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 get through because uh as with the best game in the series all these games are um designed so that you could get through everything without taking a single hit they're very cleanly choreographed and designed that way and they're very zip zippy and responsive to play so uh yeah in that sense it's uh it's one of the best so both thumbs up regardless even though i don't like those top down stages that much <laughs> yeah yeah I, I i don't i don't love the top down stages either um but uh but yeah i don't i yeah they, i think i don't know actually in terms of actually how much time you spend on them I don't, it probably is a third of the game time but somehow i don't know it's like they're compartmentalized in my brain what i would say about contra spirit is that I'm sort of surprised as 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 great as typically excellent as the correspondence and three word reviews we've had for this show are I'm sort of surprised there wasn't more uh outpouring for this yeah. game because genuinely when I think of what is a Super Nintendo game or even what is a 16 bit game what is an early 90s action game I think if there's one single image that comes into my head, it is probably the first level of this game. Mm. Um, it's just absolutely quintessential, iconic 16-bit Super Nintendo run-and-gun action. Um, so much of the philosophy of this game is uh, has carried forward into modern game design as well, uh, especially in, in recent times with the sort of the resurgence of, of challenging games and, and boss rush games games that demand learning from the player and 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 ask that they keep bashing their head against things until they're no longer intimidated it is a game even on even if you start it up even if you're the the, the kind of player like our, our jay who always plays things on easy first and then works their way up i think there's every chance that if you fired this up for the first time now if you bought that contra compilation you might go blimey this is a bit much but the the actual feel of the moment to moment, the 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 look and feel, the sound of the the running and the gunning and the shooting and the popping of the enemies and all that stuff, I find it so compulsive that even if the game does feel like it's being a bit of a cruel mistress, 
you you quickly notice that you're learning things you come back to it and it's not cruel in the way that some games are it's just harsh on a lack of knowledge and even though i've now killed so many of these bosses so many times over multiple versions i still get a kick out of the the eventual screen filling explosions that accompany their demise and the thought of going on to the next level and the next funky tune and mad keyboard riffs and wacky bass kicking in uh, and then yeah always i ha- always have to get at least as far as level three because i love the tune on that level so much it's so moody and atmospheric um and the game yeah it does some interesting things in terms of the difficulty scaling uh there's uh we talked many times about the, this uh wall climb boss against this big spiky thing and uh practicing on on hard mode earlier i didn't even know this before i thought there were fewer differences than there are but like this boss uh it's got these two missiles that it flings at you and on normal level they are, I, th- I think maybe they're not even there on easy on normal level they give you a fairly wide berth and on hard sometimes they close in and you've got like two pixels gap either side of of safety and then the boss itself kind of chomps away at you rather than just slamming the wall once uh, all this stuff has layers and layers here and i understand that not everyone's going to be like a like a ben and and want to play these 30 year old games until they get really good at them but i still think as part of that uh, compilation or on your snes mini or even if you on your wii virtual console or whatever there's uh there's still loads of reasons to to dig this one out because yeah for me it is an absolute classic of the genre and of the era and of the platform on which it was made let's conclude with ben yeah i don't know i love stuff like this like it's just it it invokes the same emotions i get like when i like listen to metal really loud or, or driving a fast car or do you know what i mean do stuff that feels mm-hmm. like i'm at the capacity of what i could possibly do and I, th- I love the fact that this game kind of makes me feel like that for that short amount of time. It's like the second, it's just bedlam, you know, from the second you turn it on, <laughs> it's just unrelenting bedlam. And I think like the funny thing is, is as we kind of get older and play different games and, and like our outlook on life in general kind of changes that our, our kind of goal for most people is to get to a, a situation where those chaotic kind of moments are kind of less and less really. But there's something <laughs> about this there's something about playing Contra that makes me feel so alive. Like, and there's just something like the, the more time I put into it, the better I get at it, the more satisfying mm. it is. Absolutely wrecking stuff, you know? Like, mm. it's amazing to me. Watch a boss have a 20-second animation to come in and then just wreck him in five seconds. <laughs> I can't tell you how good that feels, you know? It's just incredible, you know? It's that's That's the best part of it. This stuff is like... The video game equivalent of, do you know what I mean? Like Avenged Sevenfold or, or, or like Guns N' Roses or something like that. It's just, it's just loud and, and, and kind of forceful. And it might not be like the most super serious thing. And you might not like think to yourself, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to like designate a lot of time, time to kind of play this. But for, for kind of, for those 20 minutes or 30 minutes or whatever you're going to play for kind of, for that clear, everything's up to 100%, you know? Like you feel, you just feel alive, just blowing stuff up. And, <laughs> Like I, I don't know. Like I, I honestly think um, I'm I'm not done with playing this yet. Like I'll probably stream no, it again. Like there's tell. more clears. There's, <laughs> I don't know. There's more clears in me in this because there's just I don't know. There's there's few feelings like like getting a game of Contra done properly. You know, like like the various ones that I've done. 
and this is a great example it reminds me of a, f a phenomenal time kind of to be alive and to play these video games and every time i boot this back up i think to myself like this is going to be absolute mayhem and for however long it lasts it's just the most it's the most perfect mayhem imaginable Beautiful words. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, I, I, it tends to be that other games for the podcast and other new shiny things uh, take over, but I could actually see myself having a crack at the back-to-back-to-back -to -back -to -back difficulty run. It is a, uh, a lot of fun, I, isn't it? I don't know if I'd get there, but, you know, but you could... It doesn't matter, it doesn't matter is, if you do or you don't, man. You just got to try, you know. You'll get better at it, yeah. whatever happens. Like, what, what, well, even if you don't it. beat it, like, you'll be better at it than when you started, and that's the whole point. Oh, for sure. You know what I mean? You, yeah, absolutely. You, like, you gauge your own performance against yourself, not against anybody else. And even if you don't want to do it <clears throat> in one sitting, although, you know, arguably I understand it sort of, you might detract from the, uh, that sort of, that intense focus that is actually part of the fun of it. But, um, but yeah, you could always uh, save between difficulty stages or, you know, without actually cheating the game, you still just basically, you know, compartmentalize your own time. Yeah, exactly. Kind of thing. All good. Well, that was fun. As I say, uh, I suspect we'll come back with the Mega Drive contra show when that gets its anniversary which might be in another couple of years <laughs> but you know seeing as we made uh we did we did five years between contra shows what's another couple <laughs> <laughs> see you all then until the next show though it just remains for me leon to thank mikhil ben uh well you've both got things to plug because you do stuff together and that sounded odd um like <laughs> <laughs> we do things extracurricular you probably stuff. could have phrased that better but uh that okay, being said point. uh like uh, <laughs> like uh like the the popular inventor of uh commercial popcorn orville redenbacher mckeel has put in an absolute yeoman's effort editing oh my the most monstrous yeah. of uh video wizards podcasts which i think uh tipped the scales at just over seven hours right yep yep yeah <laughs> seven hours and 16 minutes and some seconds which and and you actually only cover like one day in no. <laughs> in history on no that. no no it's actually three months it's the I whole know. autumn of 1986 yeah i know three months it's a it's a it's a titanic it's a titanic endeavor but one that's just loads of fun kind of all the time so that's it that's come out if you check us out on uh video was part over on twitter um and uh like the podcast available on uh, itunes and all, a lot of other formats there's going to be a lot of stuff kind of happening with it soon um me personally as you have you said thanks very much for that i am at uh, one credit classics on youtube number one credit classics over on twitter um so i'm in the middle of moving house at the moment sort of so stuff's kind of a bit uh, hectic but as it stands at the moment i'm streaming kind of usually every monday um with games that people pick on patreon uh, over on youtube and most thursdays when i'm not away traveling um and i'm in the middle of recording some other um videos and you can probably add to that list now a contract three clear of some of some, uh, yes. of some description after uh, this is how we this is how we 100 percent. yeah i've had to put what's it on there i didn't tell you did i i got i, I did i did a uh, i did jackal on two credits and got stuck on it for ages oh I man know, yeah i've never even as much as i consider that game one of my all-time favorites i've never even seen the last third of yeah it. it's, like it's, I, I literally don't know what I happens i spent a load of time I, playing it over christmas i thought I could, it gets pretty tough it gets incredibly game. tough i thought i could do it but i think i need a bit more time in it but um but yeah like i, I can't wait yeah to see it'll it. be a lot of fun but yeah literally i'm streaming uh i'm streaming a lot of games mainly mondays and uh thursdays over on youtube and speaking of games uh Mikhail, i think this is where you talk about your incredible project well thanks yeah why not? 
Yeah, uh, me and my friend Hans from Germany have made a game under the banner uh, Hitpiece Studio. Uh, it's called Shield Made MX. It's a s side-scrolling shoot-em-up um, in which you actually have to fly into bullets. Imagine that. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's a uh, it's it's really fun. Uh, we're out now only on itch.io, uh, a super indie kind of uh, yeah store platform. We're trying to get it out onto other platforms, but uh, there's some bureaucratic bureaucratic nonsense that we have to navigate mm -hmm. to uh, for us to make those steps there. But uh, yeah, do check it out if you don't mind, uh, you know, using other launchers on your PC other than uh, than Steam. And uh, yeah, there's some some good reviews, some really good feedback we've been uh, getting so far. It seems to be generally very well received, so that's that's good. You know, that gives us hope and courage. Well worth playing. And yes, I don't understand that thing where people are weird about having more than one launcher on their PC. Yeah. It's very confusing to me. It's just like it's just another app. That's what your PC's for. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Uh, thank you both once again for this enjoyable chat on Contra Spirits. It was a lot of fun. It was fun. Thank you, Editor Jay, of course. Thank you to our correspondents. And thank you, of course, for listening. Next time in issue 504, Okinawa beckons in our Yakuza 3 podcast.